Gotcha. You. Can we go home now? <laughs> it feels like, there we go. Preach, don't know, man. Come on. Man, I'm excited this morning. I'm excited when God uh, does something that our hearts respond to Him. And so, like I shared on, on, on Friday with the youngsters, and, and it was quite cool. We just followed on a little bit from our, our time with the parents. And I thought, you know, I'm going to build into our kids because as much as we build into the parents, we need to build into our teenagers because if they get these things, it might make moms and dads' jobs a little bit easier. <laughs> so I'm waiting for the testimonies. Eh? I'm waiting for the story. Here we go. Benny's <laughs> like, yes. <clears throat> and so it was really encouraging just to see these youngsters responding to Jesus. And remember, when we respond to him, it means now we've got a journey to walk with him. It's all very well just to go, yes, I respond to this message. But then there's, there's a responsibility that comes with that. Of firstly, from our side, to disciple and for you, from that side, to be discipled and to allow Jesus to work in your heart and in your lives. We need to be open. We need to be transparent. We need to allow Jesus to come and do his work in our hearts. And so this morning, am I very loud? It feels like it was just the way I talk. Is it me? So this morning, we're going to be continuing with what, a, in a sense, a series we've been doing. Uh, like I said, you go, oh, we've done a series as a church. Wow. Can you look at that? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> but really, a couple of weeks ago, we picked up on, on just re-looking at Acts 2.42 and that thing of being devoted. And I covered a, a bit of scripture and I showed us what it meant to be devoted. And then Benny did a up the ballpark preach about devotion to the apostolic, which is amazing because we saw, let's, have we got that scripture, Acts 2.42? Did I, I don't think I actually gave it to you, but you should all know it off by heart by now. <laughs> if you don't. But the, the, there was four things in that first verse of verse 42 um, where it talks about their devotion to the apostolic, devotion to prayer and breaking of bread, and then devoted to fellowship. Actually, yeah, sorry, they got the other way around. Teaching, they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And so last week, you'll remember that we actually broke bread together. That was beautiful, huh? Wasn't it amazing? Just something to do as a family, just to break bread, to pray, and just to trust that Jesus actually is being remembered in this moment. And what a, what a sweet time of fellowship it was. And this morning, I want to just look at a little bit about being devoted to fellowship. And so before I start... <laughs> Got four pictures. <laughs> I've been taught well. I want to ask you guys a question. What do you think fellowship means? What do you think fellowship means? Fellows in the ship. Thank you. What 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 your husband says? Brai. Brai. Brai? Yes. Yo, just come and say that, yeah, please. Come, Mike. <laughs> come, 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 come. Just to walk with people in the same direction and, like, on the same journey for, like, the same purpose and, like, in. Yeah. <laughs> all right, now, let's get some other non. <laughs> now, that is the best answer, actually. That great answer. Well done, Liam. Awesome. Fellowship is really, it's so much, and it's not just prying. Sorry, Orchid. It's not just going for a mountain bike ride with Monet and trying to keep up with him and Wagner. It's not just mowing your lawn with your neighbor. Do you do that? Does anyone do that for your neighbor? It's not just 
I'm going to read a couple of things here. So there's, I was like going through some, some, some stuff, and I found these two, um, two theologians of the day. And one was John Stott, and he said this, Fellowship is an overworked word in the contemporary church. And the image conveyed by it is often a false image. Indeed, the vocabulary of fellowship has become such devalued currency that it seldom means more than genial matiness. What Methodists call a PSA, a pleasant Sunday afternoon. Or a good, a good gossipy get-together over a nice cup of tea. As a result, we fall sadly short of the rich and deep, hang on, and, sorry. As a result, we fall sadly short of the rich, deep, full fellowship <laughs> envisaged in the New Testament. And then old uh, James Packer, also another one of the theologians of the age, this is what he said. He said, what does the word suggest to you? A cup of high tea in the church hall? Gossip on the porch after the Sunday service? Hiking with the youth club? On a Saturday morn, a spell at a Christian holiday center, touring the Holy Land with a coach full of church people. We often say we've had fellowship when all we mean is that we've taken part in some Christian social enterprise of the sort. But we ought not to talk in such terms. The fact that we share social activities with each other as Christians does not of itself imply that we've had fellowship with them. To say this is not, of course, to deny that there may be a place for these activities. Our point is simply that to equate these activities with the fellowship and fellowship with them is an abuse of the Christian language, of Christian language, not the Christian language. Yeah. It's a dangerous abuse. It makes for our self-deception. It fools us into thinking that we are thriving on fellowship when all the time our souls may be starving for lack of it. It is not a good sign when a person sees no difference between sucking a sweet and eating a square meal. Equally, it is not a good sign when Christians recognize no, no difference between social activities in Christian company and fellowship. Fellowship is not, fellowship, sorry, fellowship is one of the great words of the New Testament. It denotes something that is vital to a Christian's spiritual health, the central to the church's true life. It is of the first importance, therefore, that we should be clear in our minds as to what Christian fellowship really is. Fellowship features, and, and so we see how fellowship features in the New Test, in the book of Acts. In that very opening scripture, when the church was birthed, in Acts 2.42, where this, this fledgling church is birthed, there was this point devoted to fellowship. So this morning, I want to look at a little bit the what, <laughs> the why, and the how. Sorry, the how and the why. Okay, the why comes first. The what, the how, and the why of fellowship. And it's a, we're just going to look at a few things. And I think, obviously, the best thing for us, we can look at the, bar, the, the dictionary's uh, definition, of it, but it's always good to look at the Bible's definition of fellowship. And there's a couple of um, facts 
that I want to just raise and bring to your attention as we, uh, as we look at what it means to be in fellowship, what it truly means to be in fellowship together. And why in the book of Acts was it something that was so central to this little church that was started? And again, as you would have remembered, I said a couple of weeks ago that the book of Acts, it might, it's not only a description of the church, but it's also a prescription of how the church should be. And so when I believe that when we devote ourselves to these things, we will truly reflect what Jesus intended, and we will be a people that are sold out passionate for Him. Okay, so let's, can we get a little bit technical? Because I think sometimes it does help, and I often don't do technical preachers, but I thought this one is, is going to be quite cool. So let's, let's have a look at the word fellowship in its uh, original and the word that they used was kononia. How many of you have heard that word before? Kononia. Some of you, come on, more of you must have heard it. I grew up, that was what was drummed into my head. Kononia. Kononia. Such a, like a cool word. Kononia. Never heard it. You haven't been saved long enough if you haven't heard it. <laughs> that, no, I'll be honest. Like, I've been saved. Hey, not old enough. <laughs> not old enough, sorry. No, I, re I remember hearing this word all the time. Kononia. It's kononia, man. It's cool. It's kononia. And literally translated um, from the word koinos, which means to have all things in common or some things in common. Um, so if you were to, you know, if you, if you go through, through different um, texts and that, you, you can see it, it, it implies of having things in common, whether it be wealth, whether it be um, uh, property, whatever it might be, there's a number of things, whether you have a parent in common, you know, uh, no, Nix and I are, well, Noah and Becky and Christy, they have something in common, Nix and I, their parents, all right. So in its, uh, in, its, in its basic form, we see that it actually means to hold on to something in common. And, um, but it's not, it's more than just that, because as it's written in the scriptures, we see it's written in a number of different ways, and there's different uh, adjectives put with it and that, and it actually starts to suddenly show the depth and the richness of this word. Um, it's also, it's used to describe many different things, corporations, partnerships, marriage relationships, um, and so we can conclude that the use of this word is more than just a friendship. It's, they're actually, they're, they're, it indicates that there's a dependence on each other. So um, the, the, the relationship of the word is it actually requires a, a, a connectedness, not just a, something in common. That there's, so, so first, you've got to have something in common, but they actually then it means that there is a relationship. There's something that there's an interdependentness between the two. You know that it's never used in, in the, the, the context before the Holy Spirit came. And ex, it, ex, it is exclusively a post-Pentecost expression. It's quite interesting. I found that very... It's never used to describe man's relation to, to God before the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of cinnamon, cinnamons, cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon, <laughs> cinnamon, some of you put in pancakes, uh, that, that are used in relationship with this word, um, related to love, 
for outward characteristics, again, a sharing of common enterprise or the fellow worker or a participant. Each of these words denotes a unity which is expressed outwardly. That is true of fellowship, but by contrast, fellowship is also an inner unity. Quite interesting. It doesn't only stop with being an inner unity, for it is primarily an action word. So it's not just, it's, it's, there's actually an action that goes with it. Fellowship is not just being together, but it's doing together. There's also quite a, a uniqueness in the way it concerns our relationship with Christ and the way we partner with Christ. And like I said, it's not just also doing anything together, but it's doing the will of the Father together. Oh, that's, that's quite special. I think I can think about those. That's quite amazing. So in, in a nutshell, Cononia describes the unity of the Spirit that comes from Christian shared beliefs, convictions, and behavior when those shared values are in place, genuine Cononia occurs. So, so that is what Cononia is. So how does this look? And in the Bible, we see... Paul, I'm just going to take three ways of how we see it in the Bible, because there's actually a lot, but I want to look at specifically three, because I think they affect us. Firstly, and we'll look at the scriptures, I'm just going to mention them, we'll look at the scriptures. Our first one is our relationship with God, then our relationship with each other, and then our relationship with churches. So let's look at, um, firstly, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There it talks about how God calls us actually into the fellowship of His Son. There's a link. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a oneness with Jesus. Um, I don't think I included the scripture, but there was one scripture in John where Jesus says, I called you servants, but now I call you friends. I'll get to that just now. So we see there that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. So it talks about our relationship with God. And in order for our relationship with others, which is the next point, we need to get this relationship correct. We often talk about in order for the horizontal, the vertical, needs to be correct. And so we see in our relationship with others in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Paul again says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, for what partnership? So there's that word partnership. It's also the word kononia. So for what partnership has the righteous with lawless? Or what fellowship has light with dark? So he's talking about people here. And he's using that word kononia. And the other word is metaneos, actually. So he's using two interchangeable words here to describe how the relationship should not be. And so when he uses it in that way, we could actually see how the relationship should be. I don't know there's a grammatical term for that, where he uses a negative to show a positive. And so what he's doing there is how light and darkness are, 
are not in fellowship. They can't be in fellowship together. They can't exist together. You go into a dark room, you put on a candle in a corner, light, they can't be together. And so it's the same way he's, he's likening this partnership and this friendship amongst people, amongst the, the saints. You can't be like light and dark. You can't be, I mean, he is, I don't want to unpack the unequally yoked part, but basically he's saying, well, that's a whole other story, but he's talking about the righteous and the, the righteous and the lawlessness. They can't be together. So does that make sense? And then the, then the third point I said is he, he talks about his relationship with churches. And so throughout the New Testament, and Philippians is one of the examples where he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Did I only give you seven? All, so basically, all of you become partners of God's grace together with me, in another version. He says, so he's talking there about how the partnering with other churches. Paul, he's ministering the gospel, and he talks about this partnership with the other churches. And there are other scriptures as well, which I don't want to unpack too many, but we talk about how certain churches in the New Testament were actually collecting money for other churches. They, were go, they, were, they had this common, this common uh, purpose. And so there was a poor church, can't remember the name of the church again, but there was a, there was a church that was really struggling because the, I think there was just drought, it was famine, it was like hectic, and the wealthier churches were, were actually pulling their funds together to, to come alongside and to partner with these guys, not only in the gospel, but also just as family. And so we, so we can see there, there are three ways, very simply put, three ways, and there are many, many other ways how fel- the word fellowship is used, but I love these three specifically because, I mean, firstly, our relationship with God and the, the fellowship that we have with God needs to be paramount, and, the, and, and the, just the way we build with Him, because that affects everything else. And so, it's that thing of, again, I think it's like, I spoke of the parenting thing about the order of authority. So, when we've got that authority right, and we understand that authority, everything else will really fall into place. And so, I love that, and I think that for me is so, so important. So, that word, going back to Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to fellowship. It wasn't just talking about brides and rugby and all these other jewels that they were having. No, it was firstly talking about a devotion to fellowship with Jesus. It was covering everything. Devotion to Jesus, a devoted devotion to Him, and what are the things that pleased His heart. Devotion one to another, love for their brother, love for one another, and then a love for the other churches. And a love, so you can just see how when we understand that, I think it, it's so much richer. It's just such, suddenly just adds so much depth to the word, because I think often we just use that expression as almost maybe sometimes a manipulatory tactic and saying, guys, remember they devoted themselves to the fellowship, we better get to church. So, I mean, I, I may have said it at times when I was younger and more naive, but as I've grown and as I've matured, I've realized as well, just even that this is so much more than just church attendance. Church attendance is important. Gathering, community, fellow, you know, all these things, that is so important, but it's so much more than that. Because if that's all you ever equate it to, you're missing half, half the, the value of that expression. And so we, we, we almost like sell ourselves short. We only get half, half of it. And like we do these things maybe because we're told to, but actually there's something here that I believe that happens when we do, when, when there's a devotion to Jesus, we naturally want to do what He wants of us and what He desires of us. Because everything inside us compels us to please Him. And that's when we're devoted to the fellowship with the Father. 
so imperative. And so for many of us, we might, there might be some of you sitting here this morning even just going, well, I don't know what it means to be in fellowship with the Father. What do you mean? Like, that sounds like Greek to me. <laughs> yes, Cononia is Greek, but... <laughs> What's, it starts by, some, you know, I said to the guys as well, I said on, on Friday we had an incredible time with youth and there were four youngsters that responded to the message of hope, that Jesus is the way. And it doesn't just stop there because we can respond and say, okay, I recognize that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I recognize that God created the heavens and the earth. I recognize that I was a sinner, that I'm washed by the blood, okay? So that's, I recognize that I need Jesus and that's all we can ever do is just recognize but what do we do with what we recognize is more important. So it's not just a head thing, but it drops to our hearts. When suddenly I realize, yes, everyone around me is telling me this stuff, but actually I need to experience Jesus for who he really is. I need to enter into this fellowship, into this partnering, into this relationship with him. Because if we don't have that, honestly, we could be that person who gets the bad news and isn't ready to face Jesus. It is so important. And you might be sitting here this morning going, I don't know if I'm really in, a, in true fellowship. I, I want to ask, ask yourself the question, am I in true fellowship with Jesus? Because if you are, actually, you will obey his word. You will want to please him. You will want to honor him. You will want to live a lifestyle, and I've read and I've preached on it before, that is worthy of what he's called you to. Not just live a great life, a life worthy of the calling. I mean, I've, read, I've, pre I've preached about that. When we truly love him, we will, I mean, then, I mean, how does that affect these relationships? Well, actually, when we truly love Jesus, we actually are compelled to love one another. It's actually, the scripture's quite hardcore about it. He says, and I'm, how's this for 1 John 4, 20? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You're a liar. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, is a liar. And I will call you to your face, because the Bible says I can, <laughs> Okay. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God. Sorry. Did I, oh. <laughs> whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So how can, you, how can I love Bob, who I can see and I can touch? Bob, I can, if I, and I say, I love God, who I've never seen. I've got to, like, th this is, I can see. I can touch, I can, we can lock arms together. We can go for walks together. We can have a cup of coffee together. I can't do that with God, but yet I say I love God. And that for me is a very big thing because I, I have met a lot of people that say, I love God, but man, I don't go to church. Then you don't love God. Honestly, because that's what that scripture says to me. Because going to church means that I actually love God's people because I want to be with God's people. Your love one another. Romans 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another. In showing honor. That's, I, I want to be known for that guy <laughs> who shows the most honor. Like if ever there was a competitive bone in my body, I'll be that guy because <laughs> I'm, I'm the most honoring guy to you in the, in the room. 
I'm just laughing because I remember a couple of years ago we were teasing Andrew. He's, he's like, I'm not competitive. I'm the least competitive amongst all of us. <laughs> Loving one another. Loving one another. You know, that is, that is how we fellowship. We love one another. We love God. We love one another, and we love the church. We love that which he loves the most. And why? Why do we have fellowship together? What is the point of it? You're asking me this question. I know you've got like, why? Because that is the, probably the only reason you're sitting here is why. Why do we do this? What is the point? Why do we have fellowship? What is the aim? Well, I think in, specifically our relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Why, what, why in the church, why are we devoted to fellowshipping together? And when I say, again, remember when I, when I say the word fellowship, you've got to now think it through the grid of what I've just said, okay? Because often when we hear that word, we think it through the grid of brying, not hanging out. But I'm hoping that your grid now shifts and your, your, your lens shifts so that when you hear fellowship, it's more than just catering and hanging out and watching the rugby. It's more than that. That is important. Again, I want to bring that, that you know, watching the bra, the, 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 the rugby, the bra, watching the bride together is important. <laughs> it's very relaxing watching the bra. <laughs> but it's more than that. And, if all we, and so my point is, if all we ever do is base it around that, we've missed, we, we're, not, we're going to miss out on a couple of things which I'm wanting to show you now. So part of us fellowshipping together is, firstly, is to build friendship. If you are struggling to build friends, may I suggest it's that you're not prepared to fellowship. Because fellowshipping is a choice. Friendships don't always happen. You know, we, 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 we forced into maybe a unnatural environment and suddenly, oh my heck, this guy's got something in common. We strike a, I think someone said to me last week, I think it was you, you met um, someone, he said, man, oh no, no, it wasn't you, it was actually Renal, um, Fernando. Fernando, you met Fernando last week. He came up to me and said, man, I've met the most interesting guy. Yes, we just hit it off. We just had such a great conversation. Like, I really, yeah, I really like that guy. I can't wait till I move here and, and we, can, we can get to know each other better. Two total strangers, got nothing in common other than Jesus. And they strike up a conversation just because they're at church together and suddenly maybe, maybe there's a budding friendship there. How many of you guys can honestly say that by coming to church, you have developed some of the deepest, most meaningful friendships in your entire life? Wow. Okay, now see there's a few of you who don't have your hands up. Can I suggest that possibly you're the problem? No, I know it's an ouch, but possibly you're the problem. Don't blame the, because if we're always blaming other people, and I know this is a hard one, because then I'm really offended. Don't be offended by what I've just said. Because there is truth in that. Because often we come through with our grids and our lenses of struggling to build friendships because we've been hurt, because we've been let down, because the church, the church, the church, the church. And actually it's an instruction for us to gather together. And in gathering together, we will develop friendships. Because we have Jesus in common. You can be the greatest mountain biker in the world. And I can be a surfer. And we have nothing, I mean, Two different sports, one's in the ocean, one's in the land, in the mountains. 
Like, really, what are we, like, hey, bro, so, so <laughs> I can imagine Monet and Brandon getting together. Brandon serves Monet mountain bikes. Like, honestly, they don't have much in common when it comes to sport. Hey, Brandon, how was the, what tires have you got in your, like, no. <laughs> like, the, hey, like, the waves were cooking. Like, Brandon, Monet's just going to look at him and go, the waves were cooking. What does that mean? Like, what were they cooking? Bacon and eggs. No. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I still got it, eh? <laughs> Dad joke. But the fact that we have Jesus in common, the fact that we have a love for Jesus in common, the fact that we want to worship Him and we want to see His kingdom established in common is the glue that causes friendships together. I have some of, I have some of the closest friendships with the most unlikeliest of people. Look at Benny and my... <laughs> <laughs> That to be, I often say to guys, and, and guys sometimes get a bit offended by this, but I like, but it's the truth. Like, I wouldn't have much in common with many people that I'm very good friends with, but it's because we love Jesus that we build friendships. I mean, I, I think Benny's a, an engineer by trade. I'm an, hey, you would think, what? What? No, he is. No, but I was thinking, it's a, you're a, what's the, uh, a design engineer. Sorry, he's a design engineer by trade. Bob is a... No, no, no. I, I know. <laughs> what is your qualification? I know what you did in your life. What's an engineer? So two engineers. Two engineers and a hippie. <laughs> a bunny hugger. A tree hugger. An environmentalist. No, I wasn't, I wasn't an extremist. No. I mean, we, we really have very little in common kind of thing, but hey, we've got gardening in common, <laughs> we've got Jesus in common, and our friendship has grown so much. Friendship is an important result of fellowship, and honestly, so I do want to challenge you, if you are sitting in this congregation and saying, I struggle to build friends with these people, maybe it's your fault that you're not prepared to take the step, you're waiting for people to come to you, and I, and I know that sound, again, Dan's offended, he's walking out. <laughs> he's an electrician and I'm, an, I'm, I'm a botanist and we're friends he's one of my closest friends actually and so I think this thing often when we because people do they always I, I hear it guys oh, that, I struggle I struggle to build friendships in the church I struggle but I think if you understand the concept of fellowship the purpose of fellowship the friendships will be automatic, will flow automatically, because you, you're intentional. There's an in, you know, it's just not, not, trying to meet, not trying to have people meet you where you're at, because I think we, we, we sometimes get into this receive mode, someone's got to meet me where I'm at, and instead of you meeting someone where they're at. Very important. You know, Jesus, Jesus called us friends. Like, what did he have in common with Peter? Nothing. Peter was a fisherman. Jesus was a rabbi. What did he have in common with the tax collector, Matthew? What did he have in common with the doctor, Luke? Uh, hey? Luke. I was think of the professions. Absolutely nothing. And Jesus said to them, he said in John, he says, I no longer call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, 
I have made known to you. Jesus calls us friends. Isn't that beautiful? That, that for me is like, come on. Yes, he's my father. Yes, he's God. But I'm also his friend. Another point of fellowship is unity. Unity. And I think that's what Liam alluded to in his description. Unity. The more we spend time together, the more we build with the common purpose, the common thing, which is to grow God's kingdom. I mean, that, that is why we are here together. We're not here just for our own sake. We're here to build God's kingdom. One heart, one mind, one purpose, to see the lost get saved, to share this gift of eternal life that we have received, to share this good news of Jesus. We've, we've all been given this incredible, incredible story, this incredible opportunity to share what Jesus has done in our lives. And so we build unity. And then the Bible says how beautiful, how pleasant, how good is it when brothers dwell together in unity. Unity. And then for me, I mean, it does. Like I said, it, it builds the kingdom of God. It builds God's kingdom. And I love Ephesians chapter 3. It says, so that through the church, in other words, that through the fellowship of the saints, through those that had gathered together, through you and me, those that have one thing in common, through the church, those who are in unity, those who have one heart, one mind, one purpose, through that, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Isn't that amazing that God in His, in his wisdom, he takes you and me, in his wisdom, he takes you and me to let that wisdom be revealed to the earth and to the heavens. That's his plan. And he can't do it if we're not in fellowship together because we need to be in unity together. That's his way of accomplishing his plan. Jesus was the master plan. God had two plans. Jesus reconciling man to God. And his second plan was the church. You and me. And in, in doing so, he actually brought glory to his son. We spoke a little, like during this morning, there was a, just an encouragement to endure and to persevere. And um, I'm quite... I'm like quite tempted to whip out my phone and see who's about to win the comrades because it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's this morning. You didn't know that. And there these guys endure this event. I think, who's run it? I think, Theo, did you run it? And John, you, you've run it, eh? Anyone else? You didn't run it, Theo. John, you ran it, eh? Didn't you run this for the comrades? No, you. Didn't you run it? I thought you ran it. Oh, I thought back in the day, Who, anyone run the comrades here? Anyone? <laughs> what? No one run the comrades? Hey? Oh, John has. John has. It's Wimthew. He's done it. How many times? He's done it five times. Come on. Yes, John Cable's also run it. I think he has. Yeah. 
May the God of endurance, how's that the God of endurance? We serve a God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That beautiful scripture? Come on. May the God of endurance, not the guys enduring the comrades, that's you and me. We're enduring this race. We're enduring the hardships. He's the God that gives us the grace to endure, to build, to endure friendship, to endure. He's the God of encouragement. Hey, He's the God of endurance and encouragement. That he will give to us an ability to live in harmony with one another. Some of us go, you know, we're going to get that right. I'm struggling right now with my own husband or wife. No, honesty. That he, that, that's the truth. Some of us struggle just with our own family to live in harmony and peace with him. We serve a God that gives us harmony to live with one another with strangers. In accord in one accord with Jesus Christ, so that together, and this morning we were with one voice. Tell you what, it felt like one really loud voice, glorifying the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, God has called us and he's put us together to accomplish his purpose in us and ultimately in all mankind. Isn't that amazing? So we have this, we have this opportunity, opportunity and just to partner together, to build together, to love one another, to love, to love not only the lost and those that are outside and dying, but to love one another. And sometimes, you know what I have found? For some people, it's harder to love the people that you're closest to because they really know how to get under your skin. It's easy to love the, the strangers, but family... It's sometimes really hard to love your own flesh and blood because they just know what buttons to push. They just know. I'm, 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 I'm getting these, like, these lots of nods around this room here. You know, it is. And so much more, this family, as we start to get under each other's skin and as we build unity and as we build God, it's going to get harder for us to love one another. It's going to get harder for us to maintain unity, but we need to do it. We need to set our heart on Jesus. We need to set our heart and say, God, you know, in spite of, in spite of, I will push on to the goal set before me to build what you have seen beautiful. Because, again, getting back to Ephesians 3, it's through the church. It's through you and me, pimples, warts everything else, limps, whatever it might be, stinky breath, whatever it might be. No, brush your teeth. Oh, I brushed my teeth this morning. It might be every single one. Of, it's through us that God chooses to make, no, make known His wisdom. Like it's, it's His wisdom. He makes known to the earth. Look at, look at my bride. Look at my beautiful church. Look at how amazing she is. Look, look, look. Look how she is. She's, a, she's reflecting She's reflecting my glory. And so we do that. We can do that. 
but it's only through partnering firstly with Him, joining our hearts to Him, surrendering our lives to Him, surrendering our lives to one another. You know, if you think it's hard to, you know, like I say, guys struggle to surrender their lives to one another. It's actually, even, it's actually harder to surrender your life to Jesus. So you think it's hard to surrender to, but it's actually harder to surrender to Jesus. Like I said, someone we can't even see, it's easy for me to surrender to Bob because I can see him and I can, you know, we can process things and com- com- have a conversation. And so he could process me through something and so I can yield to that. But to Jesus who we can't see, but we need to get that right. So it needs to start their church. Yeah, how are we on time? I think I've spoken enough. Yeah, I want us to pray together. Let's close our eyes. Again, just this morning, just even as we've, oh, what, an, what an amazing time with God this morning. Man, I 